Say this with me. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now say this with me. I have been redeemed to be filled with Holy Spirit so that the fullness of God may dwell in me. Praise God. We've been talking about uh, spiritual fullness for quite a while now, and uh, we've got a few more weeks on this, and then we're going to be uh, going to be moving into uh, a section called uh, mentally and emotionally whole, and that's a that's a huge thing today. We we deal with a lot of uh, mental and emotional issues today for whatever reason. I don't think there are more. I, I don't I don't really don't know. I've not lived other than the last uh, fifty nine years, so I don't know what was before, but. Uh, <laughs> I know in our day and time, there, there, there seems to be an awful lot of, of mental and emotional trauma that, that we have to overcome, and the Word of God has given us a way to do that and a way to uh, be healed of, of our phobias, to be healed of our isms and schisms and our, uh, all the problems we have and, you know, the disorders and, and things they can, they can be dealt with. And uh, we're going to be talking about that in the, in the uh, coming weeks. And so, but today we're, we're still talking about to be spiritually full. And what a better day to talk about that than, than Resurrection Sunday. Because this is the manifestation of spiritual fullness. We've already had a wonderful presentation of the resurrection power of Christ and, and uh, all the things that have happened up to this point. I'm not going to try to give you a, def a definitive argument for the resurrection of Jesus Christ today because uh, if you've lived in America this long and you haven't investigated it, then, then I'm, I'm not sure you know, I can help you that much. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the pinnacle of salvation. It's the pinnacle of Christianity. It's the pinnacle of, of, of everything. I've, I've had the blessing of, of traveling around the world preaching the gospel in, in many countries and many different dialects and people. And I haven't, I haven't been to a place yet where the power of the gospel doesn't transform lives. And to me, that is the definitive argument for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can, we can go into facts, and uh, I've, I've done that in the past, uh, laid out all the information and the facts. And, uh, but I got to tell you something, experiencing this is far better than arguing about it. Amen. I'm not an arguer anyway. You can, you can debate all you want to, but I, I, don't argue, I really don't argue and debate with people. I, I never have. And, uh, but, you know, I, I just kind of tell you this is my point of view and uh, go argue at that wall if you want to argue. <laughs> I'm a good listener, but I, I'm not going to get into debates and arguments with people because I've found that, that uh, most of the time uh, you're not going to convince anybody of anything because they're forming their next statement. They're not listening to what you're saying. And uh, I teach that in, in uh, relationship uh, and marriage counseling. I teach people that they have to learn to listen to what the other person's saying without formulating their next statement. Can anybody do that? 
There's been a few times I've actually gave people homework that they, that they, couldn't, they could not develop their next statement until the other person got through finished talking, and then they had, a, had to have a time of quietness where they actually thought about what the other person said before they could respond. That is really difficult for a lot of people to do because it's just well enough. I mean, you know, we're, we, we live in the age of the comeback, you know, the, the, wise, the wisecrack and the comeback and the sarcasm and all that kind of stuff. But to really listen, we have to, we have to focus ourselves, we have to discipline our mind to actually listen to what people are saying and, and listen to what the Word of God is saying. We can argue with this book or we can try to find the truth of this book. And I'd rather try to find the truth of it. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, I will, hey, uh, Damon, I want to go to Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. I, I preach out of the book of Ephesians. My father-in-law told me one time, he said, one thing I found out over the years listening to you preach is that if you don't start in the book of Ephesians, you'll be there before you get through preaching. For whatever reason, this is my book. I've, I've, I've memorized a lot of it. I've, I've studied it. I've preached out of it. And for whatever reason, it, it resonates with me. This and, and the book of Colossians is just uh, amazing. But in uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 17. And this is, this is one of my favorite prayers to pray. I pray this in first person. I don't, I don't just pray it as a prayer that Paul prayed I, I pray this and I rehearse this and put my name in it. And I, 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 made it, I make it personal to me. In verse 17, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I want to go back over to uh, verse 19. And it's talking about the eyes of understanding being enlightened that we might know. And then it, it, in verse 19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, worked in Christ, manifested in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. The power of the resurrection is not just the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, but it's the fact that he opened a door and made an invitation for us to experience what he experienced. 
that we can receive it and experience it and know it just like he did. Praise God. What a powerful thing to understand that Jesus did not just experience something by himself, but he experienced it with us. When Jesus rose from the dead, every soul that has ever been born and breathed air had the possibility to come out of that tomb with him. Amen. Praise God. We, we probably should have sung that song, Ain't No Grave Gonna Hold My Body Down Today. <laughs> Praise God. Because life has come because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, it had, it, every place I've ever been in this world and preached the gospel, I've, I've, let me preface by this, I've never been anywhere that I haven't seen the gospel change lives. Never. No matter what tongue, no matter what race, Brother Randy Webb, there he is. Good to have him and, and, and uh, Carol with us today. Several years ago, he went to the uh, island of Haiti to be a missionary. And, and, of course, we were friends and we knew each other. And so I, I, I went with him. I mean, in my heart, I, I was there with him. And he told me this morning when he walked in, he said, I was going through a bunch of stuff, and he said, I still had all the paperwork back when we first went to Haiti. And he said, I found a picture of you, and he said, you looked like you was a 12-year-old kid. <laughs> I wasn't much older than that, I don't think. We were, we were young when we, we started preaching the gospel, and I, I've had the privilege of, of preaching the gospel with Brother Randy and watching God change lives and save people and and different places around the world and here in the United States I've seen the gospel work and and change lives and transform lives in every every way and every function and I got to tell you something it don't matter what the argument it is today you encounter the power of Jesus in a right way and you're gonna you're gonna realize that there's something here that's greater than you are something here that's greater than this world there's a lot of people that say he doesn't, he doesn't exist until they come face to face with him. Apostle Paul said he wasn't Lord. He's, Apostle Paul fought against the church, killed people for believing in Jesus Christ. But one day riding his high horse down a dirt road, all of a sudden he seen the master. And, and Jesus took him off his high horse, put his face in the dirt and said, Now what do you see, Paul or Saul? Can you see me? And even with dirt in his face, he said, Who are you, Lord? I, I see you. I just want to know who you are. And I got to tell you something, when somebody bigger and greater than you shows up and you feel the power of his presence, you don't just say, get out of my way. You say, who are you, Lord? Because if somebody greater than you has showed up. Amen. And all of a sudden, Saul had an encounter with Jesus, the one that he didn't believe in, the one he said didn't exist, the one he said is not Lord, he's not Savior. He, he, he was a, a, a liar, he was a deceiver, and he came to deceive, and, and he was killing people for preaching the gospel. But when he saw him and had an encounter with him, all of a sudden he confessed him as Lord and became one of the greatest preachers and, and, and writers of the New Testament. He became... The, the one that wrote a third of the New Testament. 
and, and had an experience. He went to heaven. We, he was stoned to death. He, many times he was stoned. He was beaten. He was enslaved. He was arrested. He went hungry. He was shipwrecked. And yet nothing could shake the faith of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Apostle Paul's life. You know why? Because he didn't just have a faith of somebody that told him about Jesus. He had a faith of an encounter with Jesus that he knew that he was alive. He couldn't deny what he had experienced. He couldn't deny what he had felt. He couldn't deny what he had saw. And I got to tell you something today. We need to go past this belief that there is a God somewhere and that Jesus is his son. And we need to come into a faith that says, I know that God. He's my heavenly father. And I know this Jesus because he's my savior. He died for me. He changed my life. He transformed me. That you might know what is exceeding greatness. Paul, in his writings, would try to express the awesomeness of God. He would use, he would use the, the, the expounding words and, and try to say, talking about the exceeding greatness of his power. Now unto him who is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Paul was trying to get us to understand that the, the power he was talking about, the Lord he was talking about, is beyond our imagination. It's beyond our ability to try to determine his size. How big is God? I don't know. They've, the, our telescopes have reached into, into billions of light years away, and they still haven't found the end of God's creation, let alone him. How big is God? I don't know. But he's big enough for me. He's big enough for my needs. He's big enough to change my life. He's big enough to raise me up when life body slams me and says you can't go on. He's big enough to change my body when my body says you can't do it and, and I'm going to stop you. He's bigger than the devil who tries to, tries to deceive and tries to stop. God is bigger than all these things. His exceeding greatness of his power. What is it? Has anybody found the limit of the exceeding greatness of God? I haven't. I've seen some amazing things. I've seen, I've seen demons coming out of people who were bound so bad that, that literally had control of every part of their body. I've, I've, I've been attacked by them. I've, I've rolled in the dirt with them. I've fought with them. And I've seen the demon powers come out of that person at the name of Jesus and their life be freed and changed. And they're no longer bound by that thing. But now they know that Jesus Christ is Lord and their life has been transformed and changed. I've seen people who were on their deathbed not able to live and yet all of a sudden life come in to that person I've seen it changed we sent a prayer call to a man dying of stomach cancer in California one time the church gathered around we prayed we sent that simple little piece of, of cloth to that man he was dying of cancer hadn't been able to eat hadn't been able to do anything that we know just lay there and die and and he received that prayer cloth and the next morning when the family woke up he said I'm hungry fix me some breakfast and he sat up and began to eat and he was healed because of the faith of Jesus Christ there's a resurrection power that's great than, than just coming to church and having a little experience with God. I'm talking about something that can change your daily life, something that can transform who you are into something greater. Our phobias try to keep us away from God. 
all of the things that, that we've been diagnosed with today. People have more diagnoses today than they can, than they can remember. We can, we, can, we can just bring it to God and say, God, sum all this up, package it up, and change me. Transform me. Amen. Transform me by your power. But he said that we might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. We are not agnostic people that believe that God is out there somewhere, but he's not involved in our daily lives. We believe that Jesus is carefully involved in every aspect of our lives. He's here. He's with us right now. He cares about your needs. He cares about what you're doing. He cares about what's coming into your life. He cares about the, the hardship you're walking through right now. He cares about the sickness that, that you're going through. He didn't send it. He didn't put it on you. Don't ever let anybody tell you that God put a sickness on you to teach you something. God is not, God is not a cruel teacher. He doesn't punish you with, with some kind of uh, sickness to get you to understand. He'll talk to you. I've had a lot of people tell me that I had to go down this road just to, find, just, just to find God. And I've always told them, no, you went down this road because you ignored God. And you finally got to a place where you opened up your eyes and mind, and that's where you met God. God didn't take you down that road. You went down that road yourself, and God chased you the whole way and finally got you to listen. <laughs> we blame God for everything. I mean, if a tree falls on a car, it's an act of God, according to the insurance company. It wasn't God. If anything, is the devil. He's the prince of power of the air. Why don't we start saying it's an act of the devil? A hurricane come through is an act of the devil. Instead, we say it's an act of God. We blame God for everything, and God's the ones that's trying to get, it, get us out of this mess. He's the one trying to get us to turn our lives around and change, but he said that we might know what it what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. This power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and it can transform our lives and change our lives. I want to show you a picture this morning of a young lady. I called her. I got permission to show this, these pictures. She has been transformed. Damon, if you can put that first picture up. This is a young lady by the name of Elizabeth Fries. And in this picture, the, she is bound by, by drugs, and her life is being destroyed. There's, there's no hope because her life is literally being dismantled, destroyed, and the devil is destroying everything about her. There are so many people around us. We are surrounded today by people that are being destroyed by sin, being destroyed by addiction, being destroyed by demonic power. They, they didn't mean to get there. They didn't want to get there. They didn't mean to, to end up in that kind of shape. But all of a sudden, something got a hold of them that was greater than them, and now they can't get loose from it. And it's, got a, it's got a grip on them, and it's dictating what they do. It's, it's dictating their life. It's dictating what they, what they, where they can go. <clears throat> it's dictating whether they can stay married or if their lives are, are going to be good or bad. Now, all of a sudden, this power is greater than their own will. And in a strange, 
thing about addiction, it takes your hand and destroys you with it. You end up self-destructing. But it's a power greater than you. How can you get free? We, we work with a lot of people. Benai and Natalie have a ministry called uh, Restoration Connection. And they work with people like this every week. And I get the privilege of ministering to them and, and helping them. And their lives, it, it's amazing the pit of destruction that these people are in. And to get them out of that is no easy task. It is, it is a monumental task. Even when their life is changed and transformed, to dig them out of the pit and to get them back into a productive state of society is a monumental task. You have to cover so many bases. And I got to tell you something, the system of our country is created in such a way that once you get underneath that system, you can't get out because it holds you there. Once you get homeless on the street, you can't just get a job and get out of that because you have to have a driver's license. You have to have, you have, to have an address. You have to be able to take a shower. You have, to, you have to have clothes. You have to have this. You have to have that. And once you get in that state, somebody has to help you walk out of that and give you a, an open a door and get you out of that or you're not going to get out of it. It's impossible. That is without... The resurrection power of Jesus. And this young lady, Elizabeth Fries, without the resurrection power of Jesus, is being destroyed. But I want to show you what happens when the light of the gospel comes into somebody's life and their life is changed and transformed by the power of God. It doesn't just, it doesn't just show in their soul. It shows in everybody. Damon, if you could give me that next picture, please. Yeah, that next one. My tech guy, I see Jim back there. This is Elizabeth Fries today. No longer is her eyes full of darkness. No longer does her face look, face look like it's being destroyed. No longer does she have hopelessness in her face or in her eyes, but now there's hope gleaming out of her eyes. She has a hope. She has a love. She has, she has something in her life today that she could never have had if it hadn't been for somebody taking the resurrection power of Jesus and presenting it to her and her believing in the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And all of a sudden, Sarah Fries experienced a resurrection from the grave. And he, she come to life and come out of the tomb and begin to live and walk and now my grandkids think she's one of the family they love her matter of fact israel if she's going to be if, if they're going to go somewhere the first thing he asks is lizzie going to be there and if lizzie's going to be there he's up for it why because somebody went into the darkness the hopelessness of this world and shined a light in that dark world and all of a sudden, that very light that was shining into that dark world started shining out of the eyes of a human being. And now you can see the light shining. You can see the hope glowing. She's no longer bound by drugs. She's no longer being destroyed. Now she has hope. Now she has joy. And there is something in her life that is bigger than that which was bigger than her.
I got to say that again. Now there's something in her life that is bigger than that which was bigger than her. And that bigger resurrection power, Jesus, came in and took control of the powers of the enemy that was destroying her, cast them out, and brought hope and life into her, into her very being. Hallelujah. How many, how many of us sitting in this place today was an Elizabeth Fry? And now we have the testimony that I've been changed. I've been made new. Jesus come into my life, and he set me free. He changed me. He, he resurrected me. There are so many different types of tombs. There are tombs of self-destruction. There are tombs of sickness. There are tombs of disorders. There are people that are exhausted every day because they struggle with these disorders, these mental disorders, and they, it wears you down and it wears you out because you never know who's going to wake up tomorrow morning. You go to bed, one person wake up another person. You go to bed happy, wake up the next morning living, and there's a, there's a darkness over you that you can't seem to shake. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's at. There are people living in caves of, of phobias that are afraid and fearful. They don't know how to get out of these caves of phobia. They live in this darkness. Anxiety is tearing their life apart to the point that some people can't even leave their homes because this thing of anxiety has so captured them and captured their mind, and yet there's nothing outside of their home to be afraid of. The fear lives inside of them. We have fears of things that are much smaller than us. Many times, fears that shouldn't even bother us, shouldn't, it couldn't even overpower us if it tried. And yet we live in slavery and bondage to these small things. Why? Because as human beings, we don't have the power or ability to fight that which is bigger than us. But I got to tell you something, there is somebody that can fight for you. I know somebody that can fight for you. And he's a warrior. My, the way I sum up the attitude of Holy Spirit is that he is a determined warrior that will never quit fighting. He will never quit fighting. When I was younger, I didn't have that, that mindset. Somehow I developed a mindset, I guess it's through the preaching in churches that I grew up in, was that if you grieve the Holy Spirit, if you don't do what's right, then he deserts you. He abandons you, and he leaves you until hopefully you can find grace, and he will come back. And that's the mentality that I heard for years, and I see a lot of people walking in that today. I see a lot of people walking in that mentality. <clears throat> but I got to tell you something this morning. You're not big enough to run Holy Spirit off. You're not strong enough to overcome him. 
You can wrestle with him all you want, but he's going to win. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you turn your back on God and run all the way to the gates of hell, Holy Spirit will run with you all the way trying to turn you around. He is a determined warrior that never quits, that never gives up, and he never runs out on us. We develop God through the eyes of our experiences with people. And we got to stop that. Because God is not people. Hallowed be thy name in the prayer means that God is separated from the weakness of this world. He's separated from the, the crime and the hatred and the, and the abandonment and the, and the stuff of this world. He's separated from that. He's trying to reach down and get us out of that. He's not one that is, he's not a proponent of it. When I was young, teenager, I got, I got stupid for a little while. What teenager doesn't? I call it the years of insanity. You teenagers don't get mad at me. You're in it. I got some nieces here. You're in the years right now. Listen to your parents. They actually, they're, not, they're not experiencing what you're experiencing, okay? I know they don't know anything because they're old, but when you're 20, you'll be amazed at how much, how much education. By the time you get 20, they're going to get master's degrees, and you're going to wonder how they got it. Anyway, but I, got, I got stupid for a while, and the reason I got stupid is because I started watching people. And I got disappointed in people as a young kid. I got disappointed in the actions of people as a kid. And I decided that I didn't need this church stuff because I didn't need to have to deal with all that stuff. You know, in a, in a church setting, you know why it's so magnified in church? Because the church is relational. It's not like a job where you go and just earn your, you know, whether rather somebody's a jerk or not, you're still going to get paid on your job. But in the church, it's relational. We're much more re emotionally connected. So nobody can hurt you until you start caring. And in the church, we care. We care about each other. Care about people. And there's nothing, there's no greater hurt than, than caring and then, then being abandoned or or done wrong, or trust being broken, things like that. And it, it's, it's because we, we become emotionally involved. And I, I, I allowed that to break my faith in Jesus as, as a teenager. I allowed that to drive me away. And I got silly for just a short time. Thankfully, I'm a person that keeps my eyes open, always have been. And I began to realize real fast that this is stupid. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I got to hanging around with a whole bunch of stupid people. <laughs> Didn't have any sense at all. And I would, I would go to a party, you know? You know, they, they have parties, you know, and things you go to. And, 
and everybody's doing everything that they shouldn't be doing and acting like they're having a good time but it takes intoxication to, to actually believe that you're having a good time because when you're not intoxicated you're mad at each other hate each other and, and can't stand each other you know but but then you get intoxicated and all of a sudden gee haw woohoo dance on the table But in real life, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like that person if, you, you know, if they gave you a million dollars. Anyway, that's a side note. I'm chasing. Somebody shoot that rabbit. I keep chasing. But you know what the amazing thing was? Every time, I try, every time I'd go somewhere like that, I had a praying mom. And Holy Spirit would show up at the party. What is he doing at a party? Why would he come to a party where everybody's doing wrong? I thought he avoided stuff like that. And I'd be right in the middle of it thinking, you know, trying to figure out why everybody thought they was having a good time. And all of a sudden, there he was tugging at my heart, whispering in my ear, and I would be miserable. And a lot of times I'd think, oh, she's at it again. I might as well go home. I never found a time that Holy Spirit walked away from me no matter what I did. But he fought for me. He walked with me. He cared about me. Even when there was no reason and I gave him every reason in the world to walk away, he didn't. Why? Because the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is bigger than you bigger than your actions, bigger than your faults, bigger than your failures. He's right there. I remember times in my life, this, this August will be 40 years that I've been preaching the gospel. I started when I was five. That's why I look so young. Actually, I was 19. 40 years of preaching the gospel and I've been in a lot of situations. I've seen a lot of stuff. Been in a lot of bad situations. I've never been anywhere that my friend wasn't there. I've never experienced heartache and pain that my friend wasn't there. I never walked through danger and threat on my life that my friend Holy Spirit wasn't right there walking with me. I remember a time when I should have died and God resurrected me. I was all by myself. But God began to resurrect me. And I remember, I remember sitting on an airplane. Many of you have heard a lot of these stories. But I remember sitting on an airplane not able to see because the this bacteria that had attacked my body had caused my eyesight to 
almost completely go away, very dim. So weak I couldn't sit up. A headache so bad that, that it felt like my head was going to explode. My body hurt from one end to the other because of this, this infection, this bacterial infection in my blood that had went toxic. And yet I began to come alive. I began to resurrect. I woke up in a stranger's house, didn't know who they were. And when I got to where I could get on my feet, they put me on an airplane and flew me to Durban, South Africa to go to a missions training school to recover so I could come home. And I remember sitting on that airplane after experiencing all that. And some people would have been saying, God, how could you let this happen? I was on my way to Rwanda to preach the gospel and establish a ministry. I was going to buy land and establish a ministry there. And I was on my way. And I hit a block wall and ended up unconscious and sick and all, the, all that stuff. And I remember sitting on that airplane all by myself. And instead of feeling sorry for myself, I sat there with tears running, running down my face. So full of joy. And it wasn't because I was being healed. It wasn't because I woke up. Because before I, when all this started happening, I told God, I said, God, if this is where it ends, I'll see you in just a few minutes. But if not, if you want to get some more miles out of me, you better do something. And he needed some more miles out of me. So after a few days, I started waking up and sitting on that airplane with tears running down my face. All I could think of is I'm never alone. I'm never alone. He's with me all the time. And instead of feeling sorry for myself, instead of feeling like everything had, had just fallen apart, instead I was rejoicing and I sit there in that seat, not able to see, but I was sit there singing and I was singing, making up songs about he's ever present with me. He never leaves me. He never, he never betrays me. He's always there. What an awesome experience. To know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of trauma and trouble and darkness, and yet he's right there. Praise God, I got 40 years of testimonies to your arguments. I got 40 years of experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus and watching it with my eyes and, and participating in it. And so no argument out there can, can get me to disbelieve the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive because he lives with me. He lives with you. Praise God. I'm going to have to stop. I don't want to, but I'm going to stop. Praise God. What an amazing testimony we have today that he rose from the dead, but he didn't just rise from the dead and go to heaven. He rose from the dead, went to heaven, and then he sent a comforter, one of like kindness, one that's just like him. He said, another comforter, which means 
that he's just like Jesus. He has everything. He is Jesus, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one, all working together. And he sent him back. And on the day of Pentecost, there was a resurrection that took place on earth again. He rose from the dead and went to heaven. And then all of a sudden, people begin to experience resurrection. I just want to ask you today, have you experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your life? Have you been changed by his power? If everything went wrong in your life, could you, could you sit there rejoicing in the fact that you're never alone? You're never alone. He's with you. He's with you. No matter what the devil does, he can try to stop you. The world can try to stop you. But God's going to make it happen. i got to tell you this. Before I close, i got to tell you this. Faith in the resurrection is an invitation. It's an invitation to go into the impossible head on and see the impossible become possible. It's an invitation to step out on thin air. I just about did. I have, I have to watch it when I'm feeling the presence of God like this. I get a little unstable. It's an invitation to step out on thin air in faith. With nothing but failure looking you in the eye because the only way that this can happen is if God intervenes and then to see God intervene we have to learn how to get up get back up and head right back in there you know most of you know the story I got home from that attempt to get into Rwanda I got home I recovered some reason I never went to the doctor when I got home because I, you know, I just thought I'm, I'm, I'll be fine because I've experienced an encounter with God. And it took me a while to get over that, but I turned around and headed right back to Rwanda. Why? Because what looked impossible changes to the possible when Jesus is involved.